today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. But God the Father so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Now, think about this. If God is willing to give you His only begotten Son to die for you instead of you, is there anything He won't do for you? That's quite the challenge, right? Because doesn't that kind of fit with the whole context of why this was written and to whom this was written? You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. The Apostle Paul wrote, What can separate us from the love of God? It's a pretty common mistake to believe that something we do can cause God to somehow love us less. Pastor J.D. reminds us today that it's just not the case. Nothing can separate us. Not even our sin could hold him back from loving us. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 50 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Every single one of us would have testimony after testimony about how in the morning when we would have that time with the Lord and He would speak into our lives in that devotional time, time in prayer and time in the Word, and then two o'clock in the afternoon you've got that really intense meeting scheduled. And the Lord went before you and prepared you for that which was prepared for you that morning. And so two o'clock comes and the Lord had already spoken into your heart for such a time as that. And it was exactly what you needed. And so that meeting comes about and oh my goodness, I am so glad I had time with the Lord this morning because I knew this was going to be a one of those meetings. But God, God prepared me. God spoke to me a word in season for that very moment that I needed it morning by morning. You know, this is one of those things, and I, I maybe need to just spend a little bit more time on this, because this is one of those, for lack of a better way of saying it, one of those real guilt-producing things, you know, when you start talking about morning devotions. It's just been a busy week, yeah, I know. And it doesn't help when you hear quotes from these mighty men of God, you know, the saints of old who are now with the Lord, that would say something to the effect of, man, I've got such a busy day, I better spend the first four hours praying. You're like, I'm not even, am I still even saved? Really? Yeah. This uh, morning devotions, this time with the Lord, It's a get-to, not a got-to. Think about this. We have access to the Creator of the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is. And we don't avail ourselves of that, especially in this world that we're living in today. We We have access to God Almighty. Picture Him having everything I need at the ready for the asking. 
just waiting for me to ask. By the way, you know what book comes after the book of Hebrews, which we're almost done with on Sunday mornings? James. <laughs> oh man, you got to love James, or not. James, by the Holy Spirit, says, you have not because you ask not. When I think of my own life, how many things remain on the table in heaven that could have been mine had I but asked? God knows my need before I even need it, and He's just waiting at the ready for me to ask. I have what you need for that. Father, mother, parent, I, I have everything you need just for the ask. Just ask me. Just ask me, it's yours. But we don't ask. It reminds me, in fact, it's a true story, and it's stories told of a father and his daughter. The mother had passed away. He was a widower, and all he had was his daughter, his only child. And Christmas was coming up, and the daughter would politely ask for permission to be excused from dinner so she could go upstairs because she was working on something. And this would happen night after night. And the father, of course, would say, well, that's fine. And then Christmas came and she presented him with this gift. And what it was, was a pair of stockings that to keep his feet warm that she had handmade all those nights. And while the father was certainly blessed by the gift, he said to his daughter, oh, thank you, but I would have much rather have had you with me all those nights when you were making this for me, I, I, I want you. I want to be with you. There's so many things I want to show you and, and tell you and reveal to you. And they, by the way, these are things you need. And why are you in such a hurry? We rush into our day and ill-equipped to face what faces us that day. And here the Lord's just waiting like, you're going to need this, but apparently you're, you've heard the expression, you probably said it, I know I've said it, I have to confess. Man, I'm just, I'm, I'm too busy. I'm too busy to have that time. How about this? You're too busy not to have that time. If you're that busy, you really need that time more than ever. Think of it like this as a parent, right? How would you feel if your children were like, oh man, i got to spend time with mom and dad. You know, I'm, I'm really busy. It's like, oh. <laughs> here, I'm like, that's okay. Don't bother. I don't want it like that. If you don't want to be with me, I want to be with you. But I don't want it to be a thing that you're forced to do or got to do. It should be something you get to do. It should be something you look forward to. We're going to move on to verse 5. 
The Lord God has opened my ear. Jesus is still speaking now. And I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Interesting. This verse speaks to a well-known ceremony and tradition in that day. And it's described in Exodus chapter 21, verses 5 and 6, concerning a slave, a servant, who when he had served his master and could be set free, didn't want to leave. Wanted to stay as a servant, as a slave, because he loved his master. It was a good master. So he would, of his own volition, want to stay with that master as his servant. So they would have this ceremony where they would take the ear of that slave, that servant, and they would pierce it on the doorpost of the house of the master. And what that would say is, I am your servant for life because I want to. I am free. I am no longer a slave. My debt has been paid, but you are such a loving master and I love you so much. I want to stay. Okay, you want to stay? Yeah, for life as a bond slave. Now hang on to that word. And so they would mark that slave as a bond slave who of his own volition wanted to serve his master for the rest of his life by opening the ear, piercing the ear on the doorpost of the master. That's what Jesus did. He became the perfect bond servant. We have a reference to it. I want to say it's Psalm 40 verse 6 to the opening of the ear, the piercing of the ear as the bondservant. And of course the Apostle Paul, in the original language of the Greek New Testament, it's the word doulos. He would refer to himself as a bondslave, bondservant of Christ, carrying with it the idea of his serving Christ being of his own volition, out of love, and his ear had been opened and pierced. He was a bondslave. He was a slave of Christ, a servant of Christ. Because of his love for Christ, he would say, the love of Christ constrains me. I I like to say it like this. Yours and my love for Christ ruins us for anything or anyone else. We want to be his servant. We want to be his bondservant, doulos. And this is what Jesus is saying here, verse 5, verse 6. I gave my back, Jesus still speaking, to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting, for the Lord God, verse 7, will help me. Therefore I will not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. This is clearly Jesus speaking about the prophecy yet future of his own crucifixion. And again, we see this paralleled in the Messianic Psalms concerning the yet future crucifixion of the Savior. Verse 8, 
He is near who justifies me. And here's another couple of rhetorical questions. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near me. Surely the Lord God will help me. Who is he who will condemn me? Indeed, they will all grow old like a garment. Their moth, the moth will eat them up. I I love the poetic imagery here. You know what this is saying? It's basically saying what the Apostle Paul said, and it's recorded in Romans 8 verse 31. Romans 8, my favorite chapter. It's, if you ever doubt God's love for you, you need to spend time in Romans chapter 8. You know what he says in verse 31? You're familiar with it. It's a rhetorical question. If God be for me, (laughs) it's kind of snarky too, who can be against me? If God is for me, who can be against me? That's what this is saying. And by the way, the very next verse, Romans 8.32, my favorite verse, along with all the other favorite verses. But no, here's why. Because Paul, by the Holy Spirit, says this, if God gave you, was unwilling to withhold from you His only begotten Son, is there anything He would withhold from you? In other words, think about this. I mean, just think it through. God was unwilling to withhold his, I wouldn't do that for you. I love my, I'm not going to give you my son. Forget about it. (laughs) That was last week. Sorry, that was a New York thing. Ain't going to happen. But God the Father so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now think about this. If God is willing to give you His only begotten Son to die for you instead of you, is there anything He won't do for you? That's quite the challenge, right? Because doesn't that kind of fit with the whole context of why this was written, and to whom this was written, and the state they were in when this was written? They are so downcast, so discouraged, feeling abandoned, feeling forsaken. And it's like God is reminding them in a very poetic way, I'm for you. And if I'm for you, who can be against you? Who's going to be your adversary? Because I'm for you. Nobody's going to come against you. Verse 10, who among you fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of his servant? Who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. Look, all of you who kindle a fire, who encircle yourselves with sparks. This is speaking of strange fire. Think about Nadab and Abihu, strange fire, and God struck him dead. Walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks you have kindled. This you shall have from my hand. You shall lie down in torment. 
What's he saying? Well, basically, Jesus is saying, do not fear man, fear God. And by the way, we're going to see this again here shortly in chapter 51. Who among you fears the Lord? The Proverbs are replete with what the fear of the Lord is. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. To fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Chapter 51. These first three words are found three times in this chapter. Listen to me. Listen to me. You who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Look to Abraham your father, and to Sarah who bore you. For I called him alone, and blessed him, and increased him. First two verses right out of the chute. Chapter begins with this exhorting of God's people with the sole goal of comforting and encouraging God's people. And that's what we're going to see next, verse 3. For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in it. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Listen to me, verse 4, my people, and give ear to me, O my nation, for law will proceed from me, and I will make my justice rest as a light of the peoples. My righteousness is near, verse 5. My salvation has gone forth, and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands will wait upon me, and my arm, on my arm, they will trust. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look on the earth beneath. Notice the contrast. For the heavens will vanish away like smoke. The earth will grow old like a garment, and those who dwell in it will die in like manner. That's kind of dark. But my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will not be abolished. Listen to me, verse 7, you who know righteousness. You people in whose heart is my law, do not fear the reproach of men. Here it is again. Nor be afraid of their insults, their threats, those letters threatening to terminate your employment. Well, it's not in the original, but you get the point. Verse 8, for the moth will eat them up like a garment, and the worm will eat them like wool. But my righteousness will be forever, and my salvation from generation to generation. Ah, I needed to hear that word. That's a word to the weary, isn't it? That's a word to the battle-weary. You know, I have to, again, if you don't mind, I just want to be very candid with you and share with you that it's passages like this that, and this is not hyperbole, I mean this literally, it's passages like this that help me keep my sanity. I'll explain. 
See, what this is saying is, <laughs> I'm going to have the final word on this. Yeah, I know you're going out of your mind as you see the evil of man in full force. You see what's happening in the world today. Everything that's taking place in the world today, the evil of man perpetrated on man. You need to remember verse 8, how it ends. For the moth will eat them up like a garment, and the worm will eat them like wool but my righteousness will be forever. In other words, they're not going to get away with it. I'm going to have the final word on this. Yeah, they might be doing their evil in full force, but you just wait. You'll see my righteousness. I think about Psalm 73. It's it's a really... Um, now, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a very important, I would argue, paramount important psalm for anyone who's having a crisis of faith as they look around and see evil seemingly prospering, unchecked, with impunity, as if Everything they're doing is going to be met with success. And here you are, as a Christian, on the other end of that equation. And it's messing you up. That's kind of a loose paraphrase for the psalmist, who's very open about his crisis of faith, because he sees the prosperity of the wicked. And he, here he is walking in righteousness and purity, before the Lord. And he even says, if I purified myself in vain, have I done this for nothing? I mean, here's my life, and it's a constant struggle. And yet I look at the wicked, who don't even know you, who actually blaspheme you, God, and it seems like they have no problems. And they're prospering to no end. In fact, it was so bad for the psalmist, he even says that he would not talk to anyone else about it because he didn't want to stumble them. If he shared with them that he was having this crisis of faith because of the prosperity of the wicked, so he stayed away from the brothers and sisters because he didn't want to mess them up too, because he's messed up. And he says, my foot almost slipped. In other words, I almost tossed the towel in. And it wasn't until I entered the sanctuary of the Lord. That's a good place to go. And what happened when I entered the sanctuary of the Lord? The Lord showed me their end. When I saw how it ends for them, instead of being envious of them, I now felt sorry for them because this is how it ends for them totally changed his perspective. And that's what this is saying. When you look at what man is doing, just know that in the end, I'll have the final word. And we're going to see this at the end of the chapter. You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth, 
Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn from Isaiah with Pastor J.D., make sure to really think about what you're hearing and what God wants to speak to you today through Scripture. We encourage you to keep reading on your own. If you're not already part of a local church that you call home, we encourage you to find one and attend regularly to grow in relationship with God and others. And if you're in or near the Kaneohe area, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can also access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. In addition to that, you may be interested in the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of Isaiah together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know what those prayer requests might be? Just fill out the contact form under the About tab at calvarychapelkaneohe.com or come find us on social media. There's a link to our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook pages on our website. We encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe and In Spirit and Truth. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for listening to In Spirit and Truth. Keeping me right with the old wind.